Good morning. It's so great to be here with you at People's Church, and we welcome those who are watching online. I love coming to People's Church. This has really just become a home away from home for me. I love your pastors, Pastor Herbert and Tiffany. Don't you appreciate your leadership? You should honor them right now. Put your hands together. They're great friends. They're great pastors, great leaders. And so it's a real privilege to get to come and, and just be a part of what God is doing here at this church. I was here just a few weeks ago for our marriage uh, retreat. So some of you are part of that. That was a good time, right? We got two people enjoyed it, so that's awesome. But we had a lot of fun. So this may be uh, something that some of you are already aware of, but for others it may be news to you. So I'll let you in on, on the new and uh, the latest here. But... Casey, my best friend and I, my wife, my bride, we have five little girls. We have five daughters, and um, we recently found out that we are expecting our sixth child. <laughs> Did you just notice how some of you couldn't even clap right there? Did you see that? It was like, I say, we're expecting our sixth child. You're like, no, honey, we should, we should do this. We should clap. I mean, that was awesome. And so, uh, yeah, I, I was pretty surprised, too. But, hey, we're excited, and uh, we're really thrilled about this. So five little girls, and uh, we just found out the other day the gender of this sixth little baby. Any ideas? Any guesses? Found out we're having a boy. Yes! I mean, listen, my mom was so uptight about this. I mean, she was just, she did not want to go because Casey set this whole deal where we're going to go as a family to have the ultrasound done and find out the gender. My mom was just like so uptight. She's like, I, I just don't think I can go. I, I don't think I can bear to see Scotty have to find out that, that he has a sixth girl on the way. Because the first time, you know, you go find out first child that we had and, you know, we've never been parents before. I don't know why, I just thought that it was going to be a boy. I mean, fine, that's a girl, that's okay. But I was just like, oh, okay, that's awesome. No, that's cool. I, 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 that would be great to have a daughter. At least she's healthy, and that's great. Second baby, we're like, oh, it's so cool. We have a girl, and now we get to have a boy. And, oh, okay, this one's a girl too. Well, that's, no, that's great. You know, and then the third one, you know, the little girl's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And then when the fourth one came along, I was like, you're being for real, huh? Seriously? Fourth? And then for the fifth one, I'm not joking. I just thought at some point the stats got to work in your favor. You know, at some point. And so the fifth one, they're like, oh, little girl. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> like, no, seriously, it's, it's a girl. I was like, you're messing with me. I so offended the technician. I'm not making this up. I wasn't trying to be rude. I was just, I was just dealing with this. In this moment, she's like, look, I can go get another technician if you don't believe me. I was like, no, no, it's nothing personal. I just... Are you sure that this is a girl? She literally left the room and another nurse had to come in like, sir, you're having another. I mean, it was like bad. I was like, well, hey, all right, fine. It's a girl. I mean, so I was working through. So my mom's like, I can't even go because like, what if we find out? He's not in. And so Casey, my wife was like, you know what? I, I think you'll be all right. He actually likes these other five. So if it is a girl, <laughs> it's okay. So that's why we were all so shocked. My mom started crying. You know, she, it's a boy. Mom, oh, it's a boy. Oh. 
she looks at the ultrasound. Only a mom can do this. She looked at the ultrasound and said, Scotty, he looks just like you. I'm like, Mom, it's an ultrasound. Come on. <laughs> Only a mom can say that, though, right? And so she's like, oh, he just looks, I can see your feature. And I was like, I don't know. But I, I brought the picture of the ultrasound. You be the judge. You tell me. Do you see any similarities there? I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I like that. So anyway, well, I'm a little boy. Pretty pumped about that and uh, excited for this message today. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 is what we're going to learn from today as we look at this story, talking about this message of going to the next level. This is going to be good. Tell your neighbor right now, you need to go to the next level. You need this. Ephesians chapter 6, uh, we'll get to our primary text in just a moment, beginning with verse 18, but I want to start back at verse 10. So if you have your Bibles, look at that. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, somebody say finally. Come on, somebody shout finally. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Going to the next level, this is a message, if you will, a bit on spiritual warfare. Perhaps you could title it Next Level Praying. But what I'd like to suggest to you today is that wherever you are, whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're going through right now, God has another place for you. He's not only worked in your life in the past, but God has something here in the present. He has a plan for you. In the future, isn't it cool just to know that no matter what you're going through right now, that God can not only bring you to it, but he can bring you through it? I mean, is it just me or does it seem like just about every day there are new problems, there are new difficulties, there are new obstacles that we face, right? I don't know about you, but I cannot wait for heaven. Anybody else excited about heaven? I just cannot wait. I mean, I'd be okay if we couldn't even finish the service today because Jesus just said, it's time. I mean, that would be all right with me. <laughs> Talking about next level. That'd be awesome. So anyway, I, I know that we all face difficulty, but God has a plan. God has a purpose. God is at work. But there is a devil. He does not like you, and he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So I want everybody to look at somebody right now and say, there is a devil. Come on, tell them. There is a devil. Now I want you to look at that other person that you just rejected, your plan B, and say, he really doesn't like you, for real. The devil does not like you. <laughs> there is a devil and he does not like you. How many of you guys have ever heard of the term or the phrase spiritual warfare? Wave at me if you've ever heard of that. How many believe in spiritual warfare? You know it's for real. Like when I was playing college football, I had a guy on the team who came up to me and he gave me this book and he said, he said, man, you need to read this book. It will freak you out. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, yes, yeah, about spiritual warfare. I was like, okay. He said, no, man, it's about like Satanist, witchcraft, demon possession, weird things happening, noises, tables moving kind of stuff. But whatever you do, don't read it at night. And how many of you fellas know that you never dare another fella to not do something because he might be afraid of something? I'm like, hand me the book. And I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it at night, all right? I'll let you know tomorrow how it goes. 
took the book. I'm like, crazy, I'll read this thing. I was actually staying at a friend's house because the family was away uh, on a trip or something. So he said, Scotty, while we're away, would you mind staying at our house? Just watch the home for us. And I thought, man, as a college student, that's awesome because free laundry, I'll raid your refrigerator. Yeah, I'll stay there. So that's cool. So I stayed at their house. And I don't know how it is for you, but if I'm ever somewhere I'm not used to it, like at your own home, you can like hear noises and stuff in the house and you know exactly what it is. Okay, that's the ice maker right there. Okay, yeah, that's the air conditioner. Okay, one of my kids just got up and went to the bath. Okay, some kid just wet the bed. Okay, so you know all the sounds, you know, it's your house. Have you ever noticed that when you're somewhere new that even the ice maker sounds demon possessed? Have you ever noticed that before? What was that? What was that? What was that? The air conditioning, honey. It was the air conditioning. All right. Everything's cool then. All right. You ever notice that? It's just weird. So I was at this house. I'm reading this book. It's late at night. And I hear this noise downstairs. I'm like, hmm, that's weird. Okay. It's probably nothing, though. I'll keep reading. I kept reading. This time, I heard a noise again. This time, it's getting closer like it was coming up the stairs. I was like, you know... I could keep reading this, but I'll probably, I need my sleep. (laughs) So uh, only because I'm just trying to use wisdom for health reasons, I'm going to stop reading this book and put it away. Because guys, come on, fellas, just go with me. Guys, we don't get scared, ladies. You just need to know. We don't, we're not afraid. Now, we might be concerned from time to time. (laughs) about certain things, but we don't get scared. Come on, fellas, right now, ladies, they'll just admit it. Like, you start old lady, she'll, oh, oh, you scared me. They'll just tell you. (laughs) Guys, when they're like, ah, I nearly punched you, man. I nearly knocked your head off, dude. You better be careful slipping up on me like that because, guys, just we don't even admit it, you know? And so anyway, there in that moment, I just was a little concerned, you know, about whatever was going on. And so I thought, I'm just going to go ahead and put the book away. So I put it away. I turned off the light. This is a true storm. Now I'm making this up. Placed my head on the pillow, and I looked up, and I opened my eyes. There was something hovering, floating over my bed. Have you ever been so concerned you couldn't even scream? (laughs) Have you ever, like, honestly, have you ever been like, (sighs) have you ever been there before? Like you wanted to run, but your legs wouldn't even move? It's one of those things where your heart's beating just so fast, like I could feel it in my brain. You know, you just feel like, oh, oh, oh. And I'm thinking about everything in that book, and I'm like, it's here. It's here right now. So I thought, man, I got to get out of here. On three, I'm going to turn on the light. I'm going to say, in Jesus' name, get out of here. One, two, three, boom. And I turned on the light, and I realized it was just my ceiling fan is what it was. It was just spinning over on my bed. I was like, hmm. I knew that. I knew that. See, what's crazy, though, is that we just read in this passage, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, a bad man, a man who knew much. And after speaking through chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 of Ephesians, talking about the promises of God, the gifts of God, the purposes that we have in Christ, the God-given destiny that he has for us. He says all of that. And then he gets to chapter 6 and goes, hey, finally, hey, before I wrap this up, I might mention this to you. It's not always easy. Hey, finally, before I bring this to a close, you better be strong. 
So he's giving us this warning, and he says, heads up, there's going to be a fight, a fight for your family, a fight for your health, a fight for your finances, a fight at your job. You just better get used to it. In this world, you are going to have difficulty. There is a devil. He does not like you. Just because there's a God who loves you does not mean that you won't face opposition. You better be strong. And this is Paul saying this. You know, it's not like my grandmother saying me this. You know how grandmothers just love you and they'll care for you. My grandmother, she's so sweet. Talked to her just the other day. She said, hon, how you doing? I'm doing fine, Mimi. Thank you. Are you getting enough sleep at night? Yes, ma'am. I'm trying. How much sleep you get? Well, I, I, get, I got sleep last night. It was good. And Oh, okay. What, what, are you eating well? Yes, ma'am. I'm eating every day. I'm eating. And he said, what, what are you eating? Well, I mean, oh, that's not good enough. That's not enough. No matter what it is, you can relate, right? You have those. If my grandmother says, sweetheart, there's a devil. I'm going to be like, thank you, Mimi. That's not, thank you. If she says, you better be careful. He's going to try and get you. Okay, Mimi, thank you. I appreciate that. But how many guys know my Mimi didn't write Ephesians? So it's not like I'm going, hey, I just want to come and let you guys know my Mimi said, you better be careful. I'm not here saying that today. I'm talking about Paul, the apostle Paul, who knew much about adversity, who knew a lot about spiritual warfare. And when Paul starts saying, hey, there's something you better be ready for. It's a real fight. I'm going, Paul said that? Because Paul knows what's up. You ever notice that you kind of try and make yourself feel a little bit better, a little bit bigger than whoever you're interacting with? And so, you know, ladies, you might be talking. It's like the friend says, oh, yeah, I got to sell. I got buy one, get one free. You're like, oh, that is so awesome. I was there the other day, and it, it was like pay for half of it and get 14 things free. Yeah, it's just really cool how I found that. And you're like, oh, that, that's cool. Guys are like, you know, the other day I lifted this or I did this. Or, oh, yeah, that's cool. I did 12 times that. They just like to brag. Even on spiritual things, your friend will say, yeah, they're, they're so great. Went on a mission trip. We led three people of the Lord. You're like, oh, that's so great. I remember a mission trip I went on. 74 people were demon-possessed and they were delivered and 912 people were healed. We lost track at 1.3 billion, those who surrendered their lives to Christ. But thanks for sharing. You love, like, stepping that up. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like in a conversation with Paul? You're like, hey, Paul, I go to People's Church. You ever, you probably heard of People's Church. That's where I go. That's my home church. Pastor Herbert Cooper, <laughs> yes, my pastor. You've probably heard of that, right? Yeah, so the other day I led a friend to the Lord. I brought them to people's church. I looked over. There were tears coming down their face. They said, what must I do to be saved? I led them to Jesus. So that's what I did. And Paul's like, oh, that's so awesome. That's way cool. I uh, wrote half the New Testament. I mean, how many guys know you can't win with Paul? Right? I mean, Paul is the one where he's preaching in the book of Acts. It says that Eutychus fell out of the window and fell on the ground and died. He fell asleep while he's listening. Paul was going on and on and on and on and on. And the guy fell asleep and, and fell on the ground and died. And Paul's like, here I am trying to preach. You're not going to die. And he goes down there and raises him from the dead and says, no more sitting in the window. You know you're a bad man when you can raise somebody back to life. Paul was shipwrecked. Washed ashore, and as they get there, they're trying to build a fire. And it says that a viper fastened itself on Paul. You know what that means? It, that thing bit him. I don't know about you, but I just see a snake, and I squeal like a girl. I do not like snakes. It says that Paul shook it off. I'm like, yeah, that's what I would have done too. But hey, get off me. All right, so anyway... I mean, Paul kind of was like in our modern day. You've heard those things like, uh, I, I would say this. Paul was the original Chuck Norris. You know what I'm talking about? 
How many of you guys hear those little sayings, you know, about Chuck Norris or whatever? When Chuck Norris is doing a push-up, he's not going up. He's pushing the earth down. Like, you've heard that before? Some of you guys have heard some of those things. If I was going to write one about Chuck Norris, I'd be like, yeah, Chuck Norris is so bad that he can cut through a hot knife with butter. That's what I would say about Chuck Norris. But I'd probably take it another step and say, uh, around Halloween, ghosts get around a campfire and tell Apostle Paul stories. I mean, that's what I would say. Because Paul was no stranger to spiritual warfare. Paul knew what it was to fight. That's the one who just said to you and me, you better have a heads up. You better be strong. He says you better be strong because our struggle, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual powers and authorities and the wickedness of this world. What he's saying is you better be careful because some of you are going through things right now in life and you wonder why your marriage can't get to the next level. You wonder why your family can't go to the next level. You wonder why your finances can't go to the next level. You wonder why your ministry can't go to the next level. You're looking at all of this and you're going, I'm trying this, I'm trying this, and I'm trying this. And Paul's going, you know what? You don't understand that the key to the next level the key to that is spiritual one and it's one in the spiritual battle of intercessory prayer if there's one weapon that Paul understood and he knew how to use and he mastered the art of intercessory prayer he knew how to win battles in prayer He's a guy who understood that, that there's more to life than just what we see. You do realize that you're a spiritual being who happens to have a body. You're not a body who happens to have a spirit. You do know that there's a difference, right? I mean, you do get it that we're on this life for but a short time. And then after life is over on this earth, your spirit will continue to live forever. You're a spirit being who happens to be housed. And some of you are like, well, I'm going I'm to live a long time. Well, at some point, you're going to die. You're like, well, but I exercise. Okay, you live to be 100, but I, I take vitamins and I eat my Wheaties. Okay, 120. But at some point, it's over. But your spirit will continue to live on. Paul says, you know what, you're a spiritual being and you better realize this is a spiritual battle. Quit trying to accomplish God's next level plans for your life by doing everything in the physical and natural. When you start facing things, it may be more. I'm not saying that you and your spouse could not use some communication techniques and improvements. Hey, that could really help. But what if you looked at that instead and saying, man, we're always fighting. What if you're like, the devil's trying to attack my marriage instead of fighting my my spouse and getting distracted by the wrong fight, I'm going to fight the enemy, and I'm going to win this for the sake of my home. Paul's just saying, hey, you better have a heads up. Okay, Paul, you got our attention. So what are you going to teach us, and what are you going to show us about prayer? If you're taking notes, and I hope that you are, you can write these things down. And I just want to pull out just a few quick thoughts from this passage in Ephesians. Number one, he says, pray at all times about all things. You see, after going down through this list of putting on the armor of God, he's just put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He says, take up the shield of faith. And he's, then he says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. And then in verse 18, and pray. You see, prayer is not just another weapon on the list. Prayer is the one that brings all of these things together. Prayer is what completes this overall thing. Paul says, hey, you better put on your shield. I got, my, I got my shield of faith. I got my breastplate. Okay, you better take up that sword. Okay, I got it. I got it, Paul. Thanks. He says, now, you better pray. What is he teaching us about prayer? Look at verse 18. And pray 
He says, and pray in the Spirit. He says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. He's saying, you better pray about anything and everything, anytime, all the time. Let me ask you this. Why is it, as followers of Christ, why is it that we are so quick to try and take care of the battles that we face? We're so quick to try and fight them in the flesh. Why is it that we're so quick to see difficulty and we size it up with natural thinking instead of realizing there's a devil who's attacking you and your family, you and your business, you and your ministry, you and your health, you and your finances and going, you know what? The devil is a liar. He's trying to deceive me. I'm going to fight against him. I will be victorious because Christ has already won. I will fight this spiritually. He's saying, listen, you need to pray at all times about all things because when you do, your mind will be on him and your ear will be listening to him. He's saying when you're praying about anything and everything, it will affect the way you go throughout the day. It will take you to the next level because as you're praying in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests, no matter what you go through, you will realize it's important to pray. Your mind will keep coming back to the fact that God is right, right there with you. He's walking with you. It's a continual reminder no matter what you're looking at that there's something deeper going on there. The battle is won in prayer. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, some of you looked at it this week and you read it. And it's this thought that I just wanted to bring out of this. is this thing that David said in this passage. Now, you know the story of David and Goliath. You know how the Philistine army, they came and they drew up their battle lines. And they were defying the army of Israel. And they were saying, we're going to conquer you. We're going to take over you and your land. And you're going to become subject to us. And the Israelites were saying, no, you're not. Because God is for us. We are his people. We're going to accomplish what he has for us. We're going to take territory that he has for us. And so we're going to be victorious so they had drawn their battle lines but then this mean nasty ugly bigger than nine feet tall Goliath came out and he's shouting cursing he's defying the army of Israel and he's saying send a man out here and I'll fight against him if you guys win we'll submit to you but if we win after I finish devouring you then then you guys will become subject to us and when the Israelites heard this it says that they trembled with fear 40 days this happened they draw up their battle lines the Israelites going come on today's the day we got this Goliath would come out shouting and they get all scared and they'd run away David shows up on the scene he's like what's going on what's this all about oh yeah see that guy over there which one the one whose head is like in the clouds oh yeah I see him yeah he's like defying us and he's saying that, that he's gonna beat us up and that he doesn't like us and he's talking about our mama and all this stuff and so we don't even know and David's like all right I'll be right back and they're like wait 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 you can't go you're just a little boy you can't do this but check out what David's response was. See, what you understand when you read through the Psalms is that David was a shepherd boy. He spent a lot of time just like hanging out with God. Talking to God. About what? Anything. And what else? Everything. When? All the time. When else? Every time. He'd just be like, hey God, see that little sheep over there? Yeah, that's a cute one. Hey, God, see if I can hit that tree over there. With it. He would just like talk to God. You read through the Psalms, you see they had these conversations with God. What did that do? It did not give him confidence in his slingshot. He didn't say when Saul's like, David, you're just a boy. You can't win. He didn't say, Saul, don't worry about it, king. I got this under control. Watch this. Hey, check that out. See that right there? I got this thing, man. I got it. He didn't say that. 
Nor was he like, no, no, I'm just cocky. I'm just arrogant. I'm unstoppable. I'm 24 and 0, all knockouts. Nobody can stop me. That was not his mindset. You know what he said to Saul? He said, hey, you don't need to worry about it. The same God who was with me with the lion and the bear is the same God who will be with me when I drop this giant. Come on, give the Lord thanks and praise because he's the same God. This same God. Why do we often forget to pray? Why are we so slow to jump into the spiritual battle? I think it's because we forget that the same God who helped David can help us. The same God who saved you can sustain you. Listen, that's one of the traps of the enemy. He wants you to forget. Sometimes we think, well, am I going to heaven? Yes, I'm going to heaven. Well, how are you going to heaven? Because God is so powerful. God supernaturally washed my heart, cleansed me from sin. He took me out of the grips of the enemy, and I'm going to spend forever in heaven. God did that. But what about the situation in your marriage? Yeah, I don't think he can handle this, though. Are you praying about it? Yeah, I just don't even know if this kid, he's such a rebellious teenager. I don't think anything can reach him. So you think God can supernaturally save you, but you don't think that he can supernaturally sustain you. See, where does that kind of faith come from? From talking with God. Prayer. You want to go to the next level in life? You go through a deeper level in prayer. How many guys understand that new levels have new devils? How many guys know if God wants to take you to the next level in the life that he has for you that you go through the stairway of prayer? You go closer through conversation and communication. You are stronger for him when you are closer to him. It's all a matter of realization. This same God. He's the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Scotty. How many guys know what I'm talking about? It's not just for somebody in the past. You can insert your name right there. Oh, I believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Herbert. And you put your name right there because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why do we pray about everything? Because when I realize that he's with me, I realize that no matter who comes against me, if God is for me, who's, who's coming against me? It's like my little brother. My little brother was great. two years younger than me when we were growing up. He was great at like starting fights and then having me come in and finish them with his friends. He loved that. At school, I can't tell you how many times he'd be like, oh, hey, yeah. Remember the other day in gym class? You were talking about my mama. That was his mama too. My big brother, Scotty. And I'd love it because he'd just be so like, yeah, now what you going to do? And I felt kind of cool like, yeah, now what you going to do? Yeah. And you guys would probably look at me going, well, we can understand that. No wonder he felt so bolstered in his confidence. I mean, like, yeah, I know. I know. Kung fu, judo. I mean, I'm a ninja. You don't even know what I'll do. I'll do it and you don't even know I've done it. It was just funny watching my little brother, though, because he just walked a little taller. What's up? Scotty's with me now. What's up? You know what Paul is saying? When you're praying anytime, every time, about anything and everything, he says what you're doing is you're having constant, continual, ongoing communication with God, and you're walking with God, and the devil comes up, and he's like, I'll get you. And you're like, oh, apparently you didn't see the omnipotent, omniscient, all-powerful God who's standing right here with me, and he's got my back. Now, what were you saying? So Paul's saying you better pray about anything and everything ongoing. Don't you stop praying. And then he goes on the next thing. Okay, Paul, I got you. I trust you. I believe in your word. You, you, you carry weight with me, man. You, you, you got, like, there's credibility. And you're saying pray about anything and everything. Now, how do we pray? Here's number two. If you're writing this down, just jot this thought here. Pray kingdom-centered prayers. 
He says in verse 18, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. What is he saying? He's saying that there are depths to your prayers. I mean, it's cool if you just have this mindset of I, I pray about everything and all the time, no matter what it is, I face it. But he's saying you've got to move from one place to another place. Praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. There are different kinds of prayers. Some are just, Lord, help me today. God, give me wisdom. And some you've got to put the gloves on and say, you know what? I'm not coming out of this prayer time until I sense a breakthrough in my heart because my family is too important for me to fight the wrong fight. I'm going to fight this spiritual fight. So my marriage is not going to end in divorce because the battle is won in prayer. I'm not going to give up on my son or daughter. I'm not going to throw in the towel for this job situation. God is with me. Do you see how that faith comes with that? So it's a different level of prayer. And then Paul says, and go on and pray for everybody else. Why? Because he's showing you that there's a difference in surface prayers, like childish prayers, and these kingdom-centered prayers. Like our girls, we teach them that, that whenever you face something difficult, pray. You run into a little bump, talk to Jesus about it. And we're doing that because we don't want their first instinct to be something goes wrong and they become afraid. Something comes up and they get scared. Something happens, they get confused. They face something difficult, they start facing anxiety. We want them to know as soon as you face something you don't know what to do, talk to the one who does. Come on, pray. Have you talked to Jesus? We want that to be their instinct. Go to it every time, all the time. But we want them to move deep in their prayers that's why it's so funny when one time we were in the family minivan driving down the road you know just doing what we do and as we were going down the road with all 43 of our children or whatever it was and here we go just going down the road we saw some sirens of an ambulance go by and so our girls know when we see something like that in emergency vehicle somebody is in need and so as a family we pray so we saw it and candace was like three or four at the time she's like oh somebody we're like that's right sweetheart lead us out in prayer she said thank you jesus for this food amen And being the man of God and the preacher that I am, I rebuked her and said, hey, I know you're three, but you got to toughen up. I need deeper prayer. I didn't say that. We laughed. It was cute. But you know what's not cute? Is when you're going through something, it's like hell on earth in your situation, and you feel like you can barely hold on, and your prayer life is just so at this service, is all you're saying is, Lord, tell her to get off my back. Lord, I'm so tired of her nagging, and the enemy's going, yeah, 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 you're right on with that. Keep doing that, and you and I'll tell her another thing. You are fighting the wrong fight, and the enemy's cheering you on. He's saying, did you hear what she said about it? Did you see just how she treated you? Like, yeah, thank you, Satan. You're such a good counselor. You're such a great advisor. Thank you so much. I'm pretty, yeah. And you start going instead of going, wait a minute. The devil's attacking my marriage. So I'm not going to go run talk to God and be like, oh, you tell her stop acting like that. Instead, I'm going to fight against the enemy for my marriage. I'm going to fight the real fight, the deep fight, a kingdom-centered fight. Fight. I mean, it'd be one thing if we went to the nursery and saw little babies in there. They got their little diaper on, their little pacifier. You go, oh, that's cute. It's not cute when you come in here in this room and you see a room full of adults in here sucking on a pacifier and wearing a diaper. You go, that's weird. That's really weird. But, you know, a lot of churches are filled with people today. They've been saying they're following Jesus 10, 20, 30, 40 years, but their prayer life is as if they just got saved five minutes ago. You want to go to the next level? What's the key? Prayer. I want you to have the shield of faith. I want you to have the sword. I want you to have the hand. I want you to have all that. But God's saying, will you press in in prayer? Will you go to the next level? See, it's a good thing for me to pray at night over my children. 
God, thank you for my sweet girls. I pray that they'd sleep tight and don't let the bed bugs bite. That's okay. But how many guys understand that my girls need deeper prayers than that? That's why when Paul was praying, he even asked for prayer for himself. And some of you looked at Scripture and you noticed that. And you're like, hey, wait a minute, Scotty. He's praying a selfish prayer. Paul is human. Look at it. Because he's in prison, chained to a Roman guard. He's been suffering persecution. And here he is in jail, the final stages of his life. Finally, Paul breaks and he asks for prayer. So what does he pray? He prays kingdom-centered prayers. Look at it in verse 19. He says, pray also for me. Can I just tell you, if I'm in prison because I've been doing the Lord's work, I'm going, God, I was just preaching at people's church, trying to tell people about Jesus, and now all of a sudden, this is happening, and now all of a sudden, you know what? If I've been beaten, if I'm chained to a Roman soldier, and I'm sending a prayer request to people's church to pray for me, I'm going, hey, could you guys pray because I want to get out of here? Can you guys pray because they've been hitting me and spitting on me and beating me, and I'm t- I've had enough of that. Can you guys pray that I find a top-notch lawyer to get? That's what I'm praying for. So surely that's what Paul's praying for. Paul says, pray also for me. Listen, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Could it be that we're so caught up fighting the wrong fights that we're not going to the places God wants us to go because we're so natural thinking, carnal thinking, limiting the whole weapon of prayer that he's given us? What if instead of just praying, God, be with little Johnny while he goes to school today, I pray that he'll have some friends. I'll pray that he'll enjoy lunch, and I'll pray that he'll make straight A's. What if you're praying, God, I pray that you'd surround Johnny with your favor as with a shield. I pray that when he faces temptation today, you'll give him courage to overcome it. Lord, when people try and attack him in his faith, I pray that he'll stand tall and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What if you prayed kingdom-centered prayer over your kids? Some of you are rebuking your job. You're rebuking Goliath. You're facing this at your job going, I don't like my job. I rebuke my job. God's going, I thought you wanted to be a giant killer. I do. Well, you got to face giants to be a giant killer. God, get this Goliath out of my life. He said, if I brought you to it, I'll bring you through it. What if you learn to fight it in prayer instead of rebuking the person? What if you reach the person? You're going through a storm right now. How many of you understand that God does not send a storm to shipwreck your faith? He sends it to strengthen your faith. Don't you understand that the world is watching and as you go through difficulty, they see you standing tall and standing strong and they say, you should be all over the place. Where do you get a peace like that? And you tell them it's because I pressed them to the one who is always for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Come on, don't you know that God's looking for people who will pray? So I'll close just by asking that you would join me by saying, God, teach us to pray. Help us to grow, to go to that next level by growing in prayer. And you'll be more committed to praying for your family, praying for your job, praying for your ministry. You watch the breakthroughs that will happen when you begin to fight the way God's called you to fight.